person, one loves person, two. Guess what? Shenanigans ensue. Person, one hates person, two. Guess what? Still, shenanigans ensue. Person, one fake dates person, two. Guess what? You guessed it. Shenanigans ensue. Co-host one, co-host two. The name of the show? Shenanigans ensue. Hello, I'm Jasmine. And I'm Jane, and welcome to Shenanigans in Sue. A podcast where we have microphones and you don't. So you won't listen to every <laughs> damn word we have to say. <laughs> Whoop de doo. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Each episode, we'll watch a rom-com and discuss its merits as a member of the rom-com genre. We'll cover well-worn classics, hidden gems, and everything in between. We'll give you our unsolicited opinion on every trope, caper, and flim-flam the film used or maybe abused. And of course, the the shenanigans! This is our 10th episode. Can you believe it? 10, baby. Double digits. What up? (laughs) Oh, what, what, what? Woo. Yeah, this is great. And you, our listeners, decided that we should do The Wedding Singer for our 10th episode. Yes, we had a bunch of suggestions. We put a bunch of stuff in a hat. And this is where we ended up. And we thank you very much. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, before we get into that plot synopsis, we just want to give a quick shout out to our friends at Bluebird Broadcast. Yay, Bluebird Broadcasts. They do really cool stuff. They take writers, they connect them with actors and production folks, and come out with amazing audio plays. Yes, so here's a quick something from them. What do you get when you combine voice actors, playwrights, and a podcast? Well, you get an ever-growing collection of audio theater full of original works of every genre. You get Bluebird Broadcast. Hi, I'm the host, creator, and producer of Bluebird Broadcast, Milena Karpuchina. Adults need story time, too. And with bite-sized radio plays, immerse yourself in a story worth listening to. Whether it be about two men exploring the Alaskan wilderness, a world in which the government imposes arranged marriage for all, or a woman justifying being coerced into murder, you'll find the story for you. Listen to Bluebird Broadcast today, anywhere you get your podcasts. Yay! That's our friends over at Bluebird Broadcasts. Go check them out. On with the episode! Yay, plot synopsis! Okay, so, wowie wow, the wedding singer. Mm-hmm. Wedding singer Robbie and waitress Julia meet at the community hall where they both work. Julia asks Robbie for help planning her wedding because Robbie knows all the tips and tricks thanks to being at so many weddings and having just planned his own. Shenanigans ensue! And do they ever? Yes, they do! <laughs> they do ensue! <laughs> Oh, boy. So what I find really interesting right off the bat is that it's different the last maybe 15 years. Yeah. But Adam Sandler's entire early career is comedies and not all of them are rom-coms. And so I was almost even a little skeptical that this was one. Yes, this is actually his very first rom-com. Production was a bit skeptical as to whether he could be a leading man in a rom-com. Oh. Yes. So this is his very 
very first one, and That's I think great. he does an amazing job. Yeah, truth be told, I've seen many an Adam Sandler movie. I used to watch it with my good friend Krista growing up. We still, to this day, probably quote a lot of Adam Sandler movies. Aww. But I never watched this one. Yes, and I grew up with this movie. My brother and I watched this movie so many times in fact for this rewatch I watched it on DVD I know you had a DVD you had to find a DVD DVD player yes I had to scour the house looking for a computer that still had a DVD drive um I'm kind of obsessed with that (laughs) what year was this again so this is something I also found interesting that this movie was released in 1998, but it's set in the 80s. Right. So it was a choice to make this a period piece. I mean, honestly, though, I'm grateful for it because those costumes and that hair. What? And the soundtrack. Oh, I can't. Amazing. Yes. So just to be forthcoming, I was fully expecting this to not be good. <laughs> I was prepared. I think I have PTSD, Jane, from watching movies that are before 2000 and that they've disappointed me. I have rom-com PTSD before the I was trying so hard to manage your expectations (laughs) for this movie. And so I was like, I don't know. You probably don't like it. I haven't seen it in a long time. It was made in the 90s. I don't think it's aged well. No. Like just doing everything. I know myself and my first conclusion was, Anything before year 2000 is going to just be garbage is what I put in my head. And I was like, don't think that. Go into this with an open mind. You don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. And I was super pleasantly surprised. I'm so glad you did. This is such a fun movie. Obviously, it still had its moments. Of course. Especially considering like Adam Sandler humor is admittedly not for everyone, mm-hmm. but it's so much fun. If you can get over the dumb corniness of it, if you can forgive the fact that they make a lot of inappropriate jokes about people's looks because that's what it was at the time. Yeah. But even then, they're not as terrible as other movies have been. And then we also have just the most charming chemistry between Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler. And they go on to do two more rom-coms together, I believe. Yes, Fifty First Dates is so much fun. And I haven't seen the Safari, whatever it is. I haven't either, so that's one for the list. (laughs) Eventually, as we make our way through. Yes, yes, yes. Listeners will remember when we were voting on repeat duos for our Valentine special. Yes, Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore came in very close surprisingly good leading man yes (laughs) so let's get into those tropes we've got friends to lovers inappropriate other partners a grand romantic gesture dash to the airport misunderstanding slash mm, bad timing montages so many montages so many good montages (laughs) So many good montages. They started off hot. Okay, we'll get there. (laughs) Terrible best man speech. Yes, Steve Buscemi. (laughs) Uh, Leaving someone at the altar. Finally, the newest trope that we're adding. Uh Soundtrack doing the most. And boy, does it ever. (laughs) Can't. I can't. The soundtrack is actually part of some of the jokes. Are you kidding me? It's so 
good. And then we have that sweet original song at the end as well, which is so just... sweet. And it's Mwah. in the same sense of humor as Adam Sandler jokes, which I am into. I like a comedy song. Yes, I love a comedy song. As we covered in Always Be My Maybe. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Let's get into it. <laughs> Friends to lovers. This trope was executed so well. This trope is sometimes like a bit iffy to me, just because sometimes it can be played into that friend zone area that we're drifting in, you know? Yeah, sometimes you end up with this dynamic where one is taking too much, you know what I mean? Oh, but I was also talking about more conversely, where it's like this person has been hanging around as if they owed this person's love romantically. Oh, that too. that makes me feel really uncomfortable. Like, you can't trust your friend. Mm -hmm. Where literally the only reason why they're together is because they've finally successfully beaten you down. Yeah, exactly. So... Not a fan of that. I mean, it can be done really well, but this movie, they do it really well. Yeah, they're genuinely friendly. And the relationship, oh, for the love of God, all of the male characters around Drew Barrymore are just trying to sleep with her. And grabbing her butt. It's revolting. Yeah. And Adam Sandler's character is the only person who treats her with any respect. Yes. And how the meeting is is friendly. (laughs) (laughs) So that at the same time. Yes. I think it helps that it's established that both Robbie and Julia are engaged when they meet. Which hasn't stopped movies in the past from making it inappropriate. Yes. So they have a really sweet back and forth. I appreciate that their meet cute doesn't have sexual tension. Yes, me too. And that they have shared sense of humor right from the start. Right from the start. But there's no sexual tension. It really establishes that they're obviously going to be a good match moving forward, but there's a genuine evolution of the relationship throughout the course of the movie. And the movie bakes it in that this is happening over several months as well, so the progression feels more natural as well. Exactly. Big fan of the way they handled it. Yes. Unlike the last one, where all of a sudden the 11th hour we're in love with this guy at the end I don't know well okay (laughs) still leftover spice from Bridget Jones yeah a little leftover salt but that's a different trope I know it's the opposite but it's still not enough character development it's had enough character development okay And we also see them hanging out as friends with other people as well, which is really nice. Yeah. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on inappropriate other partners. It's just another case of somebody is in love with somebody for all the wrong reasons, the idea of a rock star, and then this other dude is just a classic finance bro. Why is it that for decades and decades, finance bros haven't changed in movies? <laughs> Maybe because they haven't changed in real life? I, I don't have know. to assume it's got to be fairly accurate. They literally just did the same exact character as one of the mains in the second season of White Lotus. And it's the same thing. It's just another finance bro who thinks he can have whatever he wants. So that's Julia's fiance, Glenn. And then we have Linda, who is Robbie's fiance. Yeah, and I don't hate Linda. I'm glad that she came to the realization that she was in love with the idea of a rock star and not the man. Except then she tries and comes back again. Yeah, that's and not. And her reasoning mm-hmm. doesn't quite hold water, which wasn't great. No. And then Glenn's reasoning for marrying Julia I guess in his mind makes sense where it's well I don't want to break up and she was with me before I made my money so I know she's not a gold digger which is basically his rationale 
yeah, he said, so I can trust her. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and she can't trust you, you creep. Ooh. Or she shouldn't. He really makes my skin crawl. Oh, seriously. What was the callback that ended up identifying him at the end? Uh, something about prime. Oh, grade A piece of meat. Yes, oh. something like that. <laughs> and then I suppose we can tie in the dash to the airport with the grand dramatic gesture. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Robbie realizes that Julie and Glenn are jetting off to Vegas to get married and he dashes to the airport after her. He has to buy a first class ticket. Oh, yeah. Loved all of that. Even the setup. He's decided he's going to tell her and as he's leaving the gig that he's doing, cousin Holly is is there mm-hmm. to tell him she's gone to the airport and she's going to Vegas. Shout out to Holly. We love Holly. Yes. Holly saving the day. Oh my gosh. Get yourself a friend like Holly. She was doing the most trying to make sure that her cousin did not marry that total creep. Go Holly. I don't even want to say his name. He doesn't deserve <laughs> it. It's just to minimize confusion. I'm just going to call him like Broheem. <laughs> And then we have a nice callback where Adam Sandler asks Sammy for his credit card so he can pay this first class ticket. Sammy's like, are you going to pay me back? And Robbie says, no, No. but if you don't give me the credit card, I'm going to tell everyone what you said at the bar. (laughs) Which was just so sad because he has this persona of being the Fonz. Mm -hmm. And he divulges at the bar that he doesn't want to be a 50-year-old man hitting on younger women, that he wants someone to hold him. And tell him everything's going to be okay. He's making progress. He's, you know, opening up. He's going to get there. He doesn't want the world to know yet, but (laughs) it is time. (laughs) But I'm glad they had some character growth for Sammy as well. He deserves it. Yeah. I like the idea that he comes off as a complete creep, but the kind of creep where you know that's not real. Yeah. You know, he's being a cliche. But he's not dangerous. Yeah. He just needs a hug. Oh. (laughs) Someone give him a hug. (laughs) The dash to the airport culminates in... This amazing grand romantic gesture of Robbie performing a song that he writes on a napkin in the car on the way to the airport. Oh god, it's so good. Mm-hmm. And it's just very cute. He's referencing all the things that he's kind of been going through during the course of the movie. Working with that older woman on the piano, doing that Music Man song. Rosie. Yeah, he wants someone to grow old with. Yeah, it's very sweet. And it's very quotidian, just like simple things of I want to give you medicine when your tummy aches and regular everyday life stuff. But he's on a plane and playing on Billy Idol's guitar. Which is bonkers. I can't believe Billy Idol is legit in the damn movie. Playing himself. What a good sport. (laughs) The idea that Adam Sandler has convinced everybody in first class to hear his life story real quick, and they're sitting on tenterhooks. They're so involved that even Billy Idol is like, oh my gosh, yeah, she shouldn't be with him. (laughs) It's just so delicious. Yes, and that he is part of... Sending Glenn into the aeroplane bathroom by using the drinks cart. It's just so funny. It was very good. Everyone helping. Even the flight attendant was helping with that. And, 
you know, the reason why they get there in the first place is because of multiple misunderstandings and bad timing where both of them had tried to admit to the other that they were in love with each other. So much bad timing. It broke my heart. And they just keep missing each other. Twice. I don't know how somebody has that much bad timing. It's actually incredible. (laughs) The first one, Robbie decides he's going to go confess his love for Julia and he walks up to her house and sees her in the window and she's in her wedding dress and is so happy and smiling and he just can't do it. He can't do that to her. Little does he know. And we the audience do. Is that she's up there pretending that she's introducing herself with his last name mm-hmm. and that's why she's excited. Because she has a scene that is very funny where she says, hi, I'm Julia Gulia. Yeah. And she just cannot say it without breaking down. Well, it's more sad than funny. I mean, but it's done really comedically because she's looking at the mirror yes. saying, hello, I miss Julia Gulia. <laughs> and she's just miserably crying. It's very good. Also, what a terrible name that would be. Woof. I mean, Glenn Gulia <laughs> isn't much better either. I don't know that Gulia would pair well with anything. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's a real last name. I'm sorry if that's your last name. Oh, yes. I mean, I'm sorry in multiple ways, but I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I hope it's a movie name. I really do. I really hope so. Woof. And then the other misunderstanding is that Julia goes to confess her love for Robbie and Linda answers the door in her underwear, essentially, and says Robbie's in the shower. Meanwhile, Robbie's fast asleep. He has no idea any of this has happened. No, he's so litty. He he passed out totally drunk. He doesn't even know that she's there. He doesn't even know how he got into his own bed. For real. So yeah, that leads Julia to tell Glenn they must go to Vegas. And so just terrible timing all around by both of them. Okay, so... I have to discuss the fact the movie not only has multiple montages, but literally comes in hot with a damn montage. Like peak montage. The opening credits are a wedding cliche montage. Some of the highlights, horny grandma, (laughs) giving drinks to a kid, bad dancing, and the naked baby. The naked baby. There's many more, but I only thought to write it down like halfway through. But all of the cliches of a wedding going off the rails were part of the opening montage in a very fun way. So much fun and leads into the other trope of a terrible best man speech. Like truly awful drunken yeah inappropriate the kind that starts about the happy couple and then devolves into the speaker's sadness <laughs> <laughs> listen relatable but also you got to keep that to yourself it's not your moment <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a time and place. But Steve Buscemi delivers it beautifully. (laughs) That was a delight. Was not expecting to see him. (laughs) Then the other montage that was so sweet is the wedding prep montage. Julia asks Robbie for help, which they actually set up really well too, how Mm -hmm. they end up having to spend so much time together. It starts off Julia just mentioning in passing to Robbie that she's gotten 
Was it flowers or cake? I think it was flowers. It was the flowers. And that she went to such and such a place. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. They overcharged. You should have gone here instead. Yes. And then some time goes by. And then she mentions in passing, oh, by the way, thanks for the tip. That worked out really well. So it's very slow to how they end up being forced into spending so much time together. Because then Robbie helps her with all of the wedding prep, Mm -hmm. which leads to a very delightful montage. The thing that I really do like about the montage is it's not as if she's kind of inappropriately brought this one guy with Mm -hmm. her to everything. It's a group outing each time. Everybody's there to go eat cake. Everybody's there for the dress fitting. You know, everyone's together. The relationship evolves from that. And it's after that very funny scene of Robbie putting Sammy through his paces, like an obstacle course, Mm. to be Julia's limo driver. But they're cones! Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then they find Julia's jacket in the back seat. And Robbie is like, oh, it's Julia's jacket. Remember, she took it off at this specific moment and said, it's not jacket weather anymore. And Sammy's reaction is, oh, you like her. And that's showing it in a little more subtle way. He's paying attention to what she's doing, what she's saying. So sweet. And I thought that was a, a nice, more subtle way of showing that he likes her. Yeah, I was honestly shocked by the sweetness and level of nuance Mm -hmm. that they gave that character considering they cast Adam Sandler. (laughs) It makes sense now, right? Hindsight and all because he only really does kind of serious roles at this point. But for the time period, it's not what you expect. Yeah. And okay, we don't need to go into this too much, but the leaving someone at the altar. Yeah. Woof. Have a conversation beforehand. Like she leaves a note in his basement. This is Linda now, Robbie's ex fiance. Yeah, wow. It was rough. You don't let somebody stand there. No. And you know, granted, he handled it very well. He kept himself together, went into a side room, and then broke a bunch of stuff and scared everybody who was out there <laughs> waiting. But that was pretty funny. All right. Well, then let's get into those shenanigans. Shenanigans. Yeah, first off, 80s shenanigans it is kind of odd that you would make a movie in the 90s about weddings in the 80s except (laughs) it's literally got to be the best decade for weddings the looks the dances it's just so much fun and i'm not mad Mm -hmm. if we could all just like start crimping our hair again i wouldn't be angry (laughs) one of the things that i really loved was these interestingly healthy conversations had throughout Mm -hmm. even when like finance bro shows up with his cockamamie idea of flying to vegas which she clearly doesn't want to do yes just so he can obviously get it over with as quickly as possible she acquiesces as gently as possible and says you know this is a two-way street i'm Mm -hmm. i'm fine i just really want to be married And then he does pick up on the fact that she's not happy about it. Yeah. He says a very, you know, sexist and bullshit statement, (laughs) but that was also the time and who In line with the character. And then he walks it back and agrees to a real wedding. And so even that, I was kind of surprised at how well they handled that disagreement. Yeah, very surprising. And like we said, there are some instances where things aren't that great, but most of the time it's made clear based on the reaction of the other characters yeah that that's not that okay character is in the wrong and i think that's why so much of his has aged really well with robbie and linda even their conversation after the wedding she's broken his heart yeah understandably that was a terrible terrible thing to do to somebody 
And the conversation they have afterwards was actually fairly mature. He ends up going off of the deep end by the end of it, but also warranted considering somebody (laughs) said something truly awful to you. And he also doesn't go off the deep end in an unreasonable way. So, yeah, I was very surprised at these oddly healthy conversations being had in a rom-com and for the time period and for the genre and actors involved. (laughs) (laughs) More shenanigans. Give me one of yours. Right at the top of the movie, Sammy introduces the audience to Julia by telling Robbie that it's Holly's cousin and that... He's going to give it to her so good, she just doesn't know that she's going to get it. Something really inappropriate. And then they do a really funny callback where Robbie gets Sammy back at Julia's engagement party by saying to Julia, do you know what this guy told me when he first laid eyes on you? And they do like a whole bit and gang up on Sammy a little bit. And Julia goes to Sammy like, oh, what were you going to give me? Are you going to give it to me now? (laughs) (laughs) I like that the characters are made to feel bad for doing bad things. Yes. And that also shows that Julia picked up really quickly what Robbie was putting down. And it just shows, again, their shared sense of humor, which is really nice. And then it also leads into a subversion of a trope, which I think they handled really well. So they're with this woman, one of the vendors, and she says, oh, you know, I see so many couples. I can just tell that the two of you are going to make it. (laughs) And that's often really awkward, really uncomfortable. But the two of them don't get uncomfortable. They just turn (laughs) to her and go, oh, we're actually siblings. And she's like, oh, that's why I was sensing all the love. And then they do a really weird back and forth. And it's (laughs) it's really funny. Super awkward in a fun way. <laughs> it just shows that like they're sharing the joke together and it's not made uncomfortable. At some point they walk out and he has her in a headlock yes. as they're leaving. Like it's very cute. And she's like punching him and saying, I'm telling mom. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Give me one of yours. So something that I loved about this movie, they treated children in this movie the opposite of falling for Christmas in that they're all awful little shits because that's what children do in real life. Big fan of that. Saying inappropriate things. Saying the worst things. Because that is exactly what came out of their parents' mouths. So mimicking your parents, classic. Yes. Being dressed up in scary costumes and just living your life like that, even though it's not Halloween, also classic. The amount of times I've seen kids at schools when I've done teaching things that are just in a Spider-Man costume. Just because. Just in Five Nights at Freddy's clothes. The amount of princess dresses I've seen. Just whatever. Kids love being weird. Uh, Actually, in fact, I have a Drew Barrymore story. Okay. How do I want to do this that I don't get in trouble if someone was listening? For the holiday (laughs) season, I work at a very famous Santa location. Mm -hmm. One year, I think it was my second year drew barrymore came with her daughter oh not only did she wait in the regular line with everybody else she was very gracious people started to recognize her maybe a little ways into the line and start talking to her and take pictures with her and my favorite thing this is christmas time and she was there with her daughter who had dressed in a full witch's costume amazing and when people asked she just kind of shrugged and went, she wanted to scare people. And we're like, okay. The elves all went around, and any time Drew Barrymore's daughter turned a corner, we would all act very surprised as if, 
who let a witch in here? And then we'd be like, oh, you got me. And just let them go on their merry way. But we all played that game with her that day. But that's what kids do. So the idea that these kids are just being kids is refreshing. That anecdote (laughs) and Diz drew Barrymore to me like even more. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. My cousin's kids, we were setting up for another cousin's wedding and just like fully dressed as mermaids. Yep. And that's what kids do. <laughs> <laughs> it was really great to see the kids being kids and just like repeating things that are inappropriate over and yes. over again. <laughs> like the ones like cuckoo's nest, cuckoo's nest. I can't. So many times over and over and over again, just saying the meanest things, yes. which is why Falling for Christmas made me so irritated at that little girl. Nobody is that nice is that perfect? as an adult and certainly not as a child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Rosie a little bit more. Oh, yeah. He gives Rosie lessons and she pays him in meatballs. I love that so much. Especially when she's like, I don't have any clean Tupperware. And she says, put out your hands. Yes. <laughs> she puts a ball in each palm. And then she's like, take a bite. Yep. It's my favorite part. What a mess. Can you imagine somebody just being like, I insist you have some meatballs and forcing you to put it in your hand oh my word how did it get home what did i don't know do you have paper towels in your car maybe he went to the bathroom to wash up did he eat both of them he was like already that i guess like i would just shove them in my face throw the other down a sewer grate and then wipe my hands (laughs) in the grass but did you see i don't know what i the size of those meatballs they were like the size of a newborn baby's head they were fully the size of a baseball each Anyway, Rosie and Robbie have a lot of inappropriate conversations that Robbie just doesn't want to get into and Rosie insists. I don't know what it is about an Adam Sandler movie where he just loves having every old person be unreasonably horny. That's an Adam Sandler trope. It's not a rom-com trope, but it is certainly an Adam Sandler movie trope. It's an Adam Sandler trope. Yeah, he really loves weirdly sexual old people in his movies. I haven't noticed this. Yeah. I really have not noticed this trope at all (laughs) then Rosie's also just doing the most when she's sort of eavesdropping Julia and Robbie catch Rosie looking at them while she's pretending to exercise and she just sort of backtracks away yes I am really just thrilled with so many of the random secondary characters I couldn't even name all of them I'm rotten with names anyhow Mm. but just so many famous comedians showing up to do a couple of lines here and there so many fun cameos yes I, I can't remember the name of that actor either who's the bad wedding singer audition but he had like what under five minutes of screen time and just knocked it out the park he literally did one of my favorite physical comedy moments of the entire movie i wrote this down i think hold for quote (laughs) oh he's losing his mind and i'm reaping (laughs) all the benefits and then he slowly draws the curtain over his face Dead. I thought you were referring to the other quote of his, which I also loved, and this medium doesn't lend itself to it because it's physical. But he says, well, good luck finding a DJ who can move and shake like this. And and shakes. It's very bad. Shows though. us what we're missing out on. <laughs> 
so many funny quotes. That's a bunch of good stuff. I guess one of the only things that I will critique about the movie, which is, again, just a product of its time, is they do make a lot of inappropriate mm-hmm. jokes about people's physical appearance. Yeah. You know, there's more fat jokes than are necessary. He makes an entire joke about an entire table just being mm-hmm. undesirable's table. It's just a few of those. I mean, part of the joke is that he lumps himself into that table, so he's being self-deprecative, but they don't need to necessarily show the whole entire table of misfits being very hurt by the comment. That's probably the only thing I would say didn't age well, but this is also from a time period where we have movies such as Fat Camp. Mm -hmm. We are not necessarily being kind to people during that decade anyway. No, and for several decades after. It makes sense. I want to talk about Church Tongue Kiss quickly. Oh, no. (laughs) That, why... Is my only question. That whole part is so uncomfortable. It was just so unnecessary and awkward. Mm-hmm. Holly and Julia are busy talking about what the first kiss should be like in the church. And they're debating on the use of tongue or not. Yeah. Robbie arrives with Julia's jacket and Holly's like, oh, show me. Show me on him. And it's like, why? We're all adults here. Why? It was an excuse. It's an excuse for them to kiss. Yeah. And I think that because it's an Adam Sandler movie that it needed to be a really awkward, uncomfortable first kiss. Yeah. This is like a crossover of the Adam Sandler genre of movie and then a rom-com genre of movie. And so you end up with a bit of these moments. It was just like the most, I don't know what adjective I'm looking for here, forced, I guess. First kiss through plot shenanigans. Mm -hmm. And then Glenn arrives and Robbie's like, I kissed her, but it didn't mean anything. Yeah. And then he walks off really awkward. Like, you didn't need to say that, my guy. (laughs) And Holly, who's so good, is just like, oh, he kissed me. Good save, Holly. Yeah. I know I said it earlier, but I just want to give a moment of recognition to Holly and Christine Taylor. Yes. Because... What a good best friend. That coverage right there, Mm -hmm. her making the realization they love each other, her gently coaxing them towards one another, her even saying things like, oh, you know, I told Robbie that you're marrying him because you want security. That's why you're marrying him, right? Yes. And just planting the seed of doubt. Making her realize. Making Julia really consider what it is she's choosing, but not pushing. I mean, she's pushing a little. But not... (laughs) If that was me, I don't know that I would have found such an elegant way to bring that up (laughs) without literally saying it. Planting the seed is a delicate maneuver versus just saying, this is a terrible idea, don't marry him. Yeah, Holly's great. (laughs) We love her. And then the other thing that was like a bit iffy, icky was the dance that Drew Barrymore has with the teenage boy. And then he just like randomly grabs ass. Yeah. Not good. I know they played it off and everyone else starts joining in and dancing, grabbing each other's butts, but yeah. it was just... I get the joke of it, eh. but they're 13. Yeah, they're 13. Yeah. It's not great. Again, different time. We let people do that and mm-hmm. now I'm like mortified by something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly enough, despite having these inappropriate moments... They handled the character of George so beautifully. Yes. I cannot believe how well they handled what I suppose might be a non-binary character at the time period, but eventually Alexis Arquette transitions. Yeah, they did. And when I saw George, I got really nervous because Mm -hmm. I was expecting there were going to be some... I thought that George was going to be the butt of a lot of uncomfortable jokes. Yeah. 
that there'd be some really horrible jokes at George's expense, and they they weren't. The only joke at George's expense is the fact that, girl, you need to learn another song. <laughs> <laughs> Give me time over and over and over again. Even Robbie was like, George, you gotta learn a different song. <laughs> Which I truly love because that joke makes sense regardless of gender expression. It's a joke that has to do with just learning more songs if you're going to be the backup singer, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Which I really didn't expect them to handle that well. No, neither did I. And Alexis Arquette had a really interesting life. Look them up. They did a documentary on their transitioning and they just led like a really full and busy career and unfortunately passed away in 2016. Yeah. So give them a look up during the wedding planning montage they do a couple cuts back and forth between different things and so they go to people trying on dresses multiple times including holly trying on one of the dresses and you know julia is not into that dress and everyone's like no mm. we go back and george has tried on a dress and i braced myself for an inappropriate joke at the time periods and george's expense and they didn't. They cut to everybody and everyone was just like, oh, this is a lovely dress. Bravo. We love this dress. Amazing. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> I I was prepared for pain yes. and discomfort. And here we are being accepting of a trans person in this time period. I was just truly shocked yeah. that they handled it so well. And then George was just really happy that their dress was picked. Yeah. It was done really well. I am just really pleased. I... It makes me even angrier about You've Got Mail because now there's no excuse. (laughs) Now I know they could have handled it better the whole time and they just didn't. And now I'm just madder at that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, we're getting spice from You Got Mail and from Bridget Jones's diary all in one. Oh, yeah. And I did a Falling for Christmas. Uh Mm -hmm. Bringing extra salt (laughs) for the 10th episode. (laughs) And then finally, I guess for me, the last thing that I want to do, some of these quotes, I don't know who wrote everything. Some of the things that they put into this movie are just (laughs) gold. First off, when Robbie gets dumped and he does his first gig back, the whole love stinks situation. Yes, that song. All that I thought to myself was, you're a wedding singer predominantly i guess you do bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs too but Mm -hmm. love stinks can't have been in your repertoire (laughs) how did you get everybody to learn it that weekend and then bring it to the first wedding that's not on the approved list so funny (laughs) also now that you're saying he's a wedding singer they title check this movie so many times yeah they do so many times the mom calls him the wedding singer oh the wedding singer nice job wedding singer oh the wedding singer good save everybody at the weddings is always this is the best wedding singer ever oh he's the worst (laughs) wedding singer ever Over and over. I want to know if the scene at the bank was actually in the script or if they just improvised it. (laughs) Because the delivery is hard. Let me tell you, delivering something like that off the cuff and making it sound like you're saying it for the first time was mad funny. I got the quote. Mr. Sims, the interviewer for the bank, says, do you have any experience? And Robbie says, no, sir. I have no experience, but I'm a big fan of money. I like it. I use it. I have a little. I keep it in a jar on top of my refrigerator. I'd like to put more in that jar. That's where you come in. I... 
So much of this, I have to imagine, was weird off-the-cuff stuff that they said while the camera was still rolling, because some of it is just so good. Then we have the soundtrack that's doing the most that comes back, I want the money. That's what I want. I want the money. Oh my gosh. Do you have any other favorite quotes? No, I think that does it for me. I think we mentioned some of my my favorite. I have so many. One more outburst and I'll strangle you with my microphone wire. Oh, yes. See, Billy Idol gets it. (laughs) Get out of my Van Halen t-shirt before you jinx the band. (laughs) To which Linda responds, oh, I get it. You're still pissed about that wedding thing. Girl, you left him at the altar. (laughs) She expects him to get over that so quickly. It's just so delusional. How? Then we have the delivery of the little kid who is just like, hey, Linda, you're a bitch. (laughs) precisely because dad had been saying it at the table Uh uh-huh they said it yes so it's okay kids pick up everything anyway we could go on for years i think but yeah there are so many good quotes we should just move on to the fun fab fail yeah (laughs) so i really didn't expect to enjoy this movie as thoroughly as I had. And so it is with great pleasure (laughs) that I feel that this movie deserves a fab. Yes. So I waffled between whether it is a fun and a fab for quite a bit. Me too. And I think part of it is because, do I think it deserves a fab partly because of how well it was doing for its time. And the answer is yes, kind of. Kind of, yeah. I feel like that's a good criteria for older movies. Yeah, why should that not be rewarded? You know, it's our podcast and our category, so we can do whatever we want. We can do what we want. (laughs) (laughs) And so, for me, this movie is also a fab. I truly prepared myself for cringe humor and over-the-top inappropriate jokes and plenty of jokes that don't age well. Mm -hmm. And honestly, the only thing that didn't age well was just a few offhand comments and then maybe situational humor. But honestly, it was so light Mm -hmm. and it was done as unoffensively as one could have possibly done that joke enough for me. In 1998. Yeah, to give it a time period pass. And then adding in the fact that they treated Alexis Arquette with a modicum of dignity, which I did not expect for the time period. Yes. I just think this movie deserves it. And it's funny as hell. So we have how it's aged and things like that. But just like looking at the movie in and of itself, we have amazing chemistry. We have wonderful original songs. Mm -hmm. We have fun tropes being upheld classically but then we also have tropes being subverted so many quotable quotes yes side characters and secondary characters being used really well a actual parade of side characters being used beautifully growth for certain characters yeah beautiful growth mm-hmm nuanced performances Mm -hmm. it was just really well done and it's like fun to watch it's so so impressive yeah it's hard to do that so we have another fab another fab and i'm not mad about it at all (laughs) okay that brings us to our favorite segment favorite 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 give me the cheese please give me the cheese please yes (laughs) (laughs) okay okay let me just collect my thoughts quickly (laughs) 
because I'm really excited. So I need to like. I'm really excited too. Okay, so I'm going to go first because I know that you went first last time. I'm ready. Do you know? Wow, <laughs> look at you. I'm ready this time. I'm so impressed. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ready? Three, Three two, two, one. Last night's margarita with chili flakes. What? <laughs> what did you say? Epoise. Epoise. Okay. I've never heard of that before. Okay, wait. That's not a cheese. What's not a cheese? Last night's margarita. Oh, like a pizza. Uh-huh. Oh, I was like a margarita. I was like a spicy mark. Like what tequila? No, not the drink. Oh, so- <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, no, okay. No. Okay. <laughs> I was very I felt like it was long enough already, so I didn't want to add pizza as well. Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, fine. It's good, it's good, it's good. I was like, that's not that's not cheese. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jane, are you okay? You don't get cheesy margaritas. <laughs> I mean, I'm here for the it. Cocktails. Again, it's our podcast. We could do whatever we want. I was just like, but, but what? How's she going to tie it in? The rules. Is it cheese-flavored tequila? Are we saying that we got so drunk we needed to eat cheese after? I'm very confused. Okay. Um. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Tell me about this cheese. I've never heard of it. I'm excited to learn more. So I did a poise for this one, which is, I want to say... Probably my highest honor to give because this is my favorite cheese. Wow. It is a beautiful French cheese that comes in a rind. It melts at room temperature. Mm. And the reason why I picked this beautiful cheese that only a fab movie could be allowed to have is because – so Epoise is a truly stinky cheese Mm. it has a more pungent smell than even the stinkiest blue oh wow in fact epoise is so stinky that the paris metro does not allow it to be consumed or open while on a train what because it's so offensive that is a law that's some stinky cheese and so i was coming into this my first impression is adam sandler time period it's gonna (laughs) stink You get that first whiff and you're like, I don't know. Mm." You take a bite and it's surprisingly smooth Mm. and actually complex and delicate in its flavors. It's a beautiful, delicious cheese. The rind has a bit of bite, Uh much like these inappropriate old horny people (laughs) or other Adam Sandler style jokes that are peppered throughout. But ultimately, when you first look at it you think it's going to be terrible mm-hmm. or at least a little offensive and then it ends up being delicious oh and so this movie is a total applause the highest of honors the highest honor i could give amazing my favorite cheese <laughs> <laughs> all right let's hear it let's hear about this day old margarita <laughs> yes last night's margarita with chili flakes <laughs> so i mean i don't need to explain to anyone why pizza is amazing we get it it's dough tomato sauce mozzarella it's everything you need what's not to love i didn't expect this movie to age well Mm -hmm. much like a lot of fast food doesn't age well you know yeah but pizza leftover pizza you are delighted to wake up and see you have leftover pizza yeah and it ages really well and then the chili flakes is just for like a bit of extra bite that this movie has. Yeah, it does. Which is like a bit of a bite. (laughs) 
the only food that ages well in the fridge is like pizza and Chinese. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't have much more of an explanation other than that. That's what it is. I don't need any more explanation. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> well, everybody, there you have it. This was our discussion of The Wedding Singer. Let us know your thoughts on the movie, any shenanigans we may have missed, or what cheese you think it is. If you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Pod, where we do drop clues for upcoming episodes if you want a little hint. Uh-huh. And we do different things like show polls. Tell them about it, Jane. Yeah, we have post-show polls on like some of the shenanigans, or you can vote on which cheese you think the movie's most like. We also do things like what we did for this episode, where we sometimes will ask listeners to vote on things or give input for movies that we might cover. So check us out. Yeah. Your suggestions mean a lot to us and we take them under serious consideration when we choose the movie lineups. Mm-hmm. So... That's how you can find us, shenanigans in Sue Pod. Or you can email us if you have longer forums or you want to tell us how we were super wrong or right about something and you really want to let us have it. And you can find <laughs> us at shenaniganssuepod at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us next time. And until then, we, we want to grow old with you. With you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I love my genuine confusion. Amazing. Tequila margarita. <laughs> Jane, I support you, but where are we going with this? I feel like an idiot. I was like, okay, I'm a boy. Has your bronchitis gone back to your head? Are you okay? She must have taken a lot of decongestants because I feel very confused. I mean, I have. <laughs> I'm not that bad.